Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. In less than a week, our Lord will leave his apostles to go back to his heavenly Father. For 40 days, he has been warning those whose vocation will be the extension of the church and the transmission of the teaching of the Word of God, that he will no longer be with them. He who is to befriend you, he says, will not come to you unless I do go. But if only I make my way there, I will send him to you. And also, after a little while, you will see me no longer, because I am going back to the Father. Today he seems to give us his last recommendation, the mystery of the Blessed Trinity. He is probably still quite confused and vague in the mind of his apostles, but still, he reminds them of his divine filiation, of his substantial unity with the Father, and the need for them to have recourse to the Father to obtain from him everything that the Son wills as well. We have here the same message given to Fatima by our Blessed Mother. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Prayer has a twofold end, as you know. We usually distinguish the prayer of worship and the prayer of petition. The one that today's gospel presents us is the second one, the prayer of petition. Probably the most common of our prayers, due to our nature always seeking for the help and the graces we need. Asking God for the help we need is already a form of homage. Man recognizes his smallness and is confident in the strength he will receive from the efficacious operation of his grace. So there are two reasons why the prayer of petition is possible and necessary for men. First, because of the infinite love God has toward his creatures. And second, because of the sore need we have of his help. St. Thomas Aquinas says that all forms of prayers, prayer of adoration, of thanksgiving, of supplication, of invocation, can be reduced to the only one prayer of petition. Christ himself proved that when he gave to his apostles the Our Father, which in fact contains seven petitions, seven demands. Nobody reaches God's presence until he has learned to believe that God exists and that he rewards those who try to find him, says St. Paul. The prayer of petition has a true psychological benefit for every human being. It has a profound psychological richness. It implements the whole movement of our religion towards God. Elevatio a Deo, it is an elevation of the soul to God, according to St. John Damascene. We talk to God as to the supreme superior to whom we are totally liable. Therefore, a deep attitude of reverence and veneration is necessary. How easily do we talk to God in our prayer, as if we were dealing as equals? Don't we often forget this necessary attitude of humility of heart? Now one might wonder, is my prayer always answered? This is a question that St. Thomas Aquinas' disciples asked him, as we have studied last time in our conference. 
two situations have to be considered. First, the case of the prayer of the just. In other words, one's prayer in the state of grace. There is a merit attached to the prayer of the just because of the bond that unites him to God according to his divine adoption. From this point of view, our prayer is vivified by the spirit of adoption, which makes us cry out, as we read in the Bible, Abba, Father. This is a merit that implies a certain value not equal to the reward, our salvation, ultimate reward, but proportionate to it, according to a divine ordination and promise, without which promise there would be no strict right. This promise is truthful because given by God. He says, ask and the gift will come. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Everyone that asks will receive. That seeks will find. That knocks will have the door open to him. And in St. Matthew and also in St. John, believe me, you have only to make a, any request of the Father in my name and he will grant it to you. So we have a certain right, not a strict right, but a right because of our divine adoption, because of the supernatural friendship of charity. In a couple, for instance, because of the supernatural, sorry, in a couple, for instance, everything tends to be common as much as possible. Same with God. The more we love Him, the more perfect our charity is, the more He will answer our prayers, presupposing, however, that divine ordination and promise he has made, without which, again, there would be no strict right to be answered or right even to eternal life for us. St. Paul says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The soul has a true right to be heard from our Father in heaven, when she asks for eternal life and all that can lead us to it. Same as for a little child that has the right to beg to his parents for the food he needs in order to live. There is also a second type of merit, which is no more a simple strict right to a certain reward, but an extreme convenience in that God fulfills the desires of those who are bound to Him out of friendship as soon as they express it to Him. So when our prayers don't seem to be answered, it is because our humility of heart is not sincere enough, or because our degree of charity is still pretty weak, or finally because our desires to not do not correspond to what God knows to be best for us. Now in our relation to others, is the prayer of the just for others always answered? The difference in the answer that God gives to our own prayer or to our prayer for others is due to the fact that our neighbors can make it difficult for these prayers to be heard because of bad dispositions they have, because of all the obstacles they might put between them and God's grace. The Lord will receive our prayers in proportion to the intensity of our union with Him, our fervor, our instances, 
insistence, sorry, and the nature of what is asked of him. Certainly he will not answer a prior, prior which he would consider contrary to true good, to our true good. Or sometimes he will grant us a much better gift than the one we were asking. That is why our prayer in these matters must always be conditional. For God knows better than us what is good for us. Finally, what about the prayer of the sinner, the one who has lost God's grace, sanctifying grace, and is in the state of a mortal sin? The prayer of the sinner fulfilling all the requisite conditions. What about his prayer? The sinner can still merit, generally speaking, what he is asking for, not because of a friendly relation with God, this relation being destroyed because of a mortal sin, but he can merit out of pure mercy and bounty from God. This certain kind of merit that he might receive has three benefits. It disposes him for the reception of sanctifying grace. Again, it disposes him for the reception of sanctifying grace, preparing himself for a good confession, for instance. It obtains temporal goods so far as they are useful for salvation. And it accustoms him to good works. So to conclude, it is essential to remember that God's response to our prayer will first of all depend on the degree of love we have for him, the degree of humility and the need we truly have. Let us today make a quick examination of conscience then to see if our prayer is always purified by the fire of charity or if too often, too selfish to be part of God's plan. And according to what we have said, we can be assured with the great St. John Chrysostom that prayer is the place of refuge for every worry, a foundation of cheerfulness, a source of constant happiness, and a protection against sadness. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.